0: In verse 28, of the children of Issachar, by their generation, after their families, by the house of their fathers, according to the number of their names, from twenty years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war. I'm going to challenge you right now, look in your Bible and look at other verses. See, come to chapter twenty chapter two and notice that word repeated twelve times. Minus one. Look at look for Oh, look for verse twenty-eight and look at verse thirty. Look at verse thirty two. Look at verse 34 Look at verse thirty six. Look at verse thirty eight. Look at verse 40. And look at verse 42. And look again, amen, in verse 45. And this was consistently stated that we're able to go to war. Now, you know when it came out of Egypt, what age did not make it to the promised land? Everything from 20 and up. That's cut off point. Now if you want to know when you're adolescent, when you're a real adult, when you're twenty. Under twenty, you're just a kid. Tell the person you're just a kid. Amen. Just a kid. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I see you're all believing your kids, all right? God bless you for see them. I want you to notice. Now, we have a system in our fellowship. Now, personally, I'm a maverick, and I realize my color is green, and green means I, I defy authority, but I don't want to defy authority. That's rude. But that's what they said about me, and I'm not sure where they got that from. But I'll say this here. We, we have a statement that we can call a man. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are born again of the water and the Spirit, you don't have a choice. You are in the priesthood. All your amen. If you agree. If you agree. (laughs) You are in the priesthood. That young son born to the king's son he hasn't got a choice if he's in the monarchy. He is in the monarchy. But when he gets older, he has to claim responsibility of the monarchy and the accountability that comes with it. But he is born to lead. You were born again to be a priest and a king to God. You have no choice in the matter. That is your birth. That is your birth. And so, I can't call you to be a priest. I can't call you to be a king because you were born that. That's the pedigree that you're born into. Now, they say, well, we can't call Zachary to preach. We can't call uh, Caleb to preach. Well, you know what? If he's got the Holy Ghost... If he's got the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus Christ's name and then for God, he has no choice but to teach and preach and witness. He's got no choice. The only thing I can do as a parent, as a pastor, a mentor, or a coach, the only thing I can do is helping, guide him into fulfillment of that inheritance that's given to him by nature of birth. Many young lives, young people especially, have wasted waiting for a call that never comes because no wise hearted person i have ever taught them that you have been born into a kingdom and that in this birth you belong to royalty if you're born in this kingdom at some point you will be called upon to defend that kingdom at some point in your life now you will be protected by the kingdom until you're able to protect the kingdom first you're protected by the kingdom and then you grow up to learn to protect the kingdom. Prince Charles' son and Prince Charles and all those gentlemen in the family learned that very quickly. They had to go through the military. It's a part of being monarchical uh, heritage. They have to do that. And and so, whether that guy became an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or a and so on, that comes with recognition when you're born again, it's not one well, do you have the nine spiritual gifts? Do you have the nine fruit of the Spirit? First of all, the gifts of the Spirit is in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You don't get another special baptism to get the gifts of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is the outgrowth of the life as you grow up. The rise right a girl, a little baby. But she's not lacking anything her mom has. The time has not come for her to give birth. But she's born with all those facilities in her system. It's just a matter of time when she will be able to give birth. When she'll be able to be a mother or able to be a wife. Or able to do what other women do, but she's born with it just like a son has all the things his father has. And he's born to be a leader, whether you like it or not. A man is born to be a leader. Hello? Ladies, you don't vote that guy in the vote of what is being headed. He just, he just come that way. That's the way he was created. So he has no say. Now he may not live up to it. He may not fulfill it, but he's born to be a leader. He's born to be responsible for the household. Now he may not live up to it, like I said, but of course, that's what parenting is all about. Parenting is to groom and challenge and channel what's already inherent. Hello, hello. Jesus was not born. And then became God. He was God. He is God. Now the baby is God. Simeon blessed us and he blessed God. And said, Lord, let now thy servant. They said, his government. He had a government before he even knew it. <laughs> he was already mighty and almighty without even knowing it. But the time came for it to unfold. Amen. And all, all we do as organization, all we do as people in ministries, is recognize the timing and the calling and the releasing. There comes the time when a man ought to leave his home and join his wife. The time he, when the eagle pushes out for that eagle is born to fly. And all the attributes of an eagle is in that eagle. Now when Israel was in Egypt, 400 years it never crossed their mind that they should fight. The enemy was scared of them in chapter 1 of Exodus. Definitely afraid of them. But Israel did not know she had the ability to overthrow Egypt. And so she stayed in bondage because she didn't have the will to fight and the will to fight back and be freed. And so she stayed in bondage but the enemy was scared the death of her. Read about it. They're afraid of her. She was mighty, powerful. He was there, and so it took Moses to come and tell them that, guys, you're not born to be slaves. <laughs> you're royalty. <laughs> Your people would promise. You've got inheritance. You belong to royal seed. You're living way below your privilege. And you've accepted defeat as if it's the norm. And the abnormal become normal for you. You know, people come talk for God and say, Well, I'm, I'm shy, I'm afraid. Because you haven't discovered who you are. But the righteous are bold. You've been active, but we are supposed to be bold. Well, I'm not a people's person. You better be because what you're born to be. You're an ambassador like it or not. Whether you like it or not, you're born to be an ambassador. And your are God's people's business. And so they were in Egypt. And so, because they had not yet learned war, God fought for them. Just like how you fight for your little baby from the time of their birth till they're able to defend themselves, you have to fight for them. A little cubby bear and is born. You can grab it and beat it up. But you wait till it grows up, friend. They'll clobber you back. (laughs) Once the insta come together, they'll clobber you so fast, you run for your life. But when they're just born, they don't understand war. And that you can pick them up and run and play with them when they become toy. But as they get bigger and bigger and bigger with the enzyme in the milk, man, friend, watch out. Those claws are coming out. They're going to hurt you. You better realize they're going to defeat you. Now, Israel didn't realize that she was able to free herself. Moses came in the catalyst, and Moses t- said, God's going to fight for you, Israel. And all the ten plagues was God fighting for Israel. Israel never had a sword. Israel never lifted up a baton, or a stick, or a stone in defense. It was God that fought for them. God was their defense. God was was the sheep. He was the only one doing the fighting. And all they did was just run right behind (laughs) him. As he was a vanguard for them. Amen. And so Israel came through the Red Sea and they saw what God did. And the first thing they sang was, Our God is a man of war! (laughs) Thy right hand, O God, dashed Egypt and Pharaoh to pieces. They discovered that. Hey, their God is a warlike God. He can fight. It says, Our God is a man of war. Now, they have nobody in their group with a sword or weapon. Oh, there was one guy, a shepherd guy with a rod in his hand and that, that's all they got for weapon. So God had to fight for them. But that was not the final will for God's people. He would not fight for them all the time. Amen. And so, The Bible says to the promised land, it was a a very quick journey. Three or four days. Not 40 years. But it says, in case they see war and turn back. Lots of lessons there. Amen. Because there are seven great nations out there, mighty and powerful. It's like the seven deadliest sins that could attack you. And God says, just in case they see war and become what? Discouraged and go back to Egypt. He took them through the wilderness. So my title is Able to Go to War. That's my title. Able to Go to War. Now God, who knows all things, said if they see war, they're going get what? Coward and run back with well, a sway. If a sheep at the slaughterhouse smell blood, they're stop. They're going forward. That's why you need a Judas goat to, to egg them all, to go. <laughs> and let's hope the Judas goat don't jump the wrong direction if he doesn't lose his head. <laughs> but he's trained not to jump a certain way, but they jump right behind him and get their head chopped off. He jumped and nothing happened. When they jump, click, <coughs> their heads are gone. Alright? So God said, No. Now, Moses is a man of war, mighty in words and deeds. Don't be fooled that he stuttered. But I says in Egypt, he was powerful. He was mighty. Now, he may have forgotten how to speak because he was in the, in the desert for so long. <laughs> he lost the finesse out of doing it and the charisma. But anyway, God said, Come on, Moses. Take him out. But don't take him to war because they don't know how to fight war. They're not ready for war. And so... God came through the wilderness, and Pharaohs had to chase them, and God fought for them. All they could do is see Pharaoh coming with horses and chariots, and God scared to death. They got no weapon, they got no tools. All they have is blessings on them, gold and silver, and, and spoils. All they got. And the mouth to shout, help me, help me, Lord. <laughs> well, rather than crying for help from God, they curse Moses. The, why do they bring us out here to get killed? They didn't know war. They are discouraged when the war started. Now, when they got to Mount Sinai, God is going to teach them about war. And God says, Take a census on Israel. Don't count the Levites, but count all the tribes. And from age 20 up, they are able... So they're capable. said so they're able to go to war. In other words, they have the potential to go to war. If you are 20 and up and you're a man, you don't have a choice. You are conscripted by your age. And God said, no, I'm not going to fight for you. I'll fight with you. I ain't going to fight for you, so don't expect me to fight for you. I'm going to fight alongside with you. So I want all the men that are able to go to war identified. So he said, Well, I'm not, I'm not a warlike person. I said, Too bad. You're born an Israelite. Your age is 20 up, you're going to fight. You're going to fight willingly or whether will you like it or not. You're going to fight because we're going to go to war. We're going to conscript you. You're going to come. Every tribe were numbered and they had a number for them to fight. Now, God made sure they did not leave Mount Sinai until they were organized. Because there's some lessons you need to have on the battlefield. You can't take anybody on the battlefield and let's go fight. Because they're going to run in all different directions. <laughs> Fire bullets, wasting bullets, wasting arrows, shooting the wind. God wants you to target, right? Don't waste your ammunition. Your, your, your when you shoot, make sure you hit a target. You know, some guys got their guns and go, pop, pop, pop in the sky and shooting at the air. Stupid guys wasting their bullets. Every bullet is for an enemy. Every arrow is for an adversary. And if you waste it, my friend, when you need it, what are you going to do? So they had to be taught war. Now the first exposure they had in war, you know the story, when the 12 spies went. God said, "There's a promised land." Now God didn't tell them to fight for it. He said, "There's a promised land. It's yours. Go get it." Anything you get from God, you got to fight for it. He's not gonna send Michael and Gabriel to bring it to you you're going to have to fight all the way for it. Because he wants you to. And the only way you're going to learn to fight is to get in the fight in the ring. And so, the spies went out there and they saw giants! Now you know in Israel, there are no giants in Israel. All the giants are with the enemies. Mighty and powerful thing. But their God is bigger than their giants. They should recognize that. Now, when they came back, they were afraid. Because those twelve men knew it meant, if I'm going to take what God gave to me, i have to fight for it. It's not going to come easy. If I don't fight for it, you're not going to possess it. Because the adversary is not just going to hand it to you. They're going to oppose you. They're going to block you and do everything in their power to stop you from getting what God gave you. So, you've got to learn war and be able to go to war and be ready to war. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. It's not, God's not going to fight for you. God knows when to fight for you and when you should fight for yourself and when God's going to fight with you. Well, they rebelled. You know what they did? They rebelled. And so they have infighting, but they wouldn't fight the enemy. It's amazing. Or or we can fight each other, but we can't fight the adversary outside. That basically isn't it. It But it happened. And so what happened now, they they, they got discouraged, and only two men said they couldn't do it. Two men said, we are well able to fight and get it. And ten said, we are not able. Now, God says they're able to go to war. And they said, we're not able. Amazing, isn't it? Differences of perception and assessment and opinion. I want to know God says not what my neighbors are saying. If God says I'm able, then I'm capable. Because He knows He's going to help me. Amen. Now, so what happened? The Bible says they wouldn't go and they died in the wilderness. But God raised up Joshua. So now Joshua, work with Moses, and those kids that you see, number them and count from age twenty up. They are able for war. Don't ask them they want to fight. Let's see what's your age? Twenty. Come on over here. Hey, come on over here. Well, what for? You'll find out. <laughs> Come on over here. We're going down there. Here's a sword. What's this for? We'll show you. Amen. What's the seal for? We'll show you. And so God says, God says, I want you. I want you in my army. I want you to be in my army. You're going to fight for the kingdom. I'm going to give you the inheritance, but you're going to get it by fighting for it. What you don't fight for, you give up easily. What you fight for, you will respect. The worst thing could ever happen to any man on earth is everything is given to them free. And they don't have to labor or sweat or toil for it. They will not respect it. They'll they'll trash it, and they'll destroy it, and they'll lose it very quickly because it costs them nothing. All right, now, so, God said, all right, we're going to fight. Now I want to talk to you about fighting. Able to go to war. One thing about a soldier... Everybody who was turning up in God's army was called to be a soldier. And to be a soldier, you must be trained. You must be tested. And you must be able to put into practice what you've learned. One of the most discouraging things God had about Israel was, Ephraim went to battle, tossed away his shield and run. ran. <laughs> And he got no protection for his back. That means the arrow could have killed him easily. Because so there's no protection for your back. The back is like cowards. Okay. Now I want to talk to you about an army. Paul have a lot to say about an army. In Revelation 19 verse 10. If you look, you'll find that God. I mean, verse 19. God. Put it on the board, please. God has an army. God has an army. Now, after Moses and Joshua fought battles and won them, another generation grew up that did not know war. And the result was the book of Judges. If you're a weakling and don't want to fight, then you have to make accommodation. Or give up and compromise. So the book of Judges came into being because of people that would not be willing to fight. They rather capitulate on the enemy's term, give in on the enemy's agreement, and let themselves be taken in in a servitude rather than be champion for the cause. They chose To become tributaries. And so the Bible knows that here they are. They are in in this land and they don't know war at all. They don't know war at all. And the enemies are everywhere. But in chapter 19 and 19 the Bible says, God in the end time is going to have an army that's going to follow him. You and I cannot be in that army in verse 19, chapter 19 of Revelation unless we have gone through training, testing, and have a record of success For in our training. All these wars in the Bible that seem so carnal to you and me are lessons for the future. Gideon wanted... Victory, but nobody was willing to fight for it. Gideon wanted to stop the enemy from eating up his crop and his fruit of his labor, but nobody had the gust to defend the field like David mighty man. Everybody run and the image of thank you, just screw all up every year, year by year, till so they're impoverished. Of course you'll be impoverished the one that reigns over you that's keeping you poor and so God saw one there and said oh thou mighty man of valor he said who are you talking to God me God said yes you are God said I know you're able to go to war but I know you can't find nobody to go with you and you're too afraid to go by yourself and so God said you, you will save Israel and church knows what God did God didn't say, I'm going to fight for you, Gideon. Say, you're going to fight your own battle. But I'm going to make you a promise. You're going to win. God does not discuss casualties. He just discussed possibilities. You are going to win. All I need is you down there to fight. You know, Saul wouldn't go face Goliath because he had no confidence. But David said, I will. I will fight him. Amen. Why? Because they were trained to fight a bear and a lion. And to him, it didn't see no difference. Just like practice. Most common saints fail God because they do not put into practice what they were trained to do. And that's why we have courses called new convert courses. Not that you're new, that new. But we're going to teach you warfare. Teach you survival. Because only the fittest shall survive. It's a spiritual jungle, and survival, yes, of the fittest. Because the lion's going to come at you, and the bear's going to clobber at you, and they're roaring at you. But how do you survive? And so God said, "Get in, get the people together, and get in calling everybody he could." Now, folks, not all volunteers are usable. Thank God they're willing, but not all possible to be used. Amen. And some folks don't understand that. We thank you for your volunteer, but we can't use your blood. Sorry, your blood is not what we're looking for. It's not your right type or whatever. Your skill is not what we're looking for or your type. But thank you for volunteering. We can't use you. And so God took Gideon through that lecture and lesson about the importance of testing for war. Amen. And God said, Gideon, I want you to put these men through testing and trial before they face their real adversary. Because on the battlefield is no place for training; it's action packed, one after the other. And when command is given, you got to respect authority and, and act accordingly. You can't question authority; you got to do. Because we have no time to talk about it. If somebody drops, don't try to pick them up. Keep on running. Keep your head down and run for your life. We're gonna win. Right? No turning back. And so, there are three tests God placed those soldiers through. And God said, okay, those who are, who are afraid, go home. Kind of nice, isn't it? All conscriptors that drop said, oh, well, thank you. We're gone. But, you know, draft dodgers, we're going home. They took off and went home. Huh. A whole bunch. Shocking to Gideon. These guys are not able to go fight because they're mentally defeated. They can't do it. God said, well, okay, what you've got left? Still need to be tested and proven and tried before you go on the battlefield. So take these guys and say to them, well, guys, I want you... You uh, hmm. know, test came up, and when the test came, another group fell off by the wayside. And God said, that's still too much. Amen. I'm going to shrink this down to a small group. You see, we like crowd with a crowd and mob guarantee success. But most times armies run war, not with the majority of the armies, but just a few good men. A few good men in the battlefield. And so the Bible says God took them down. The last test God gave to them was the water test. And when they tested them, God said, All right, you only got 300 left. uh, From 30,000 to 300. Send the rest home. Don't need them. You know why? These are able to go to war. And they're going to guarantee victory. Because it's a a foreordain that you're supposed to win. Hello? And we don't want you to lose. And so, in chapter 19 and 19 of Revelation, God has an army. I believe. The people behind God in chapter 19 and 19 were conscripted and tested like you and I are right now. When I go to Canvas and looking for souls to serve God, really what I'm looking for, I'm recruiting people. That's what I'm doing. I'm really recruiting people to follow the captain of our salvation. And not everybody going to pass the training or something that's up to the training. Or you pass the test after training. Not everybody going to put into practice what they were taught how to fight. Because there's always the mock battle before the real one comes. Is that right? you got to practice it first. And so the Bible said there is in verse 14 the people that God finally chose to go to battle with is in chapter 17 in verse 14. A revelation. Why oh, you go there? Why you go there? I well, want you notice this. God told you If Ab go with you to war, I'm not coming Hello. God said, I'm not with you if these guys are coming with you. I can't go to battle with these guys. I can't go to battle with them. And even though they want to come along, I said no, no, I can't take them along. But God said, I go to battle with these people. Who have this badge of honor. They have been trained, tested, and put to practice what they've been taught. They're called. Many are called. Few are chosen. And from the few they're chosen, just a minuscule are faithful. Three levels of testing. Even though you're able to go to war, I called you. I I, I called you. And I've chosen you. Amen. But I can't do the third part for you. I'll do the first two of them. But the third I can't do for you. You have to prove faithful and put your training into practice. And here are the words he said. I overcome, so you can too. I was in all points tempted as you are, so can you? Hello. Now people like that. Now that's why this church is not as big like many churches, because you see, getting to a big church, we start testing them. they start dropping off. While I was. But tonight, the Lord reminded me of a sieve. When my grandmother was going to bake stuff, she don't throw the flour, or whatever she's doing, into the frying pan. No way! She got a sieve, and she does that. <laughs> Hallelujah! And what she doesn't want, to throw away. Only few things make it to the table. Amen. She said they're called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. And so that's why this church is not like every other church. We're called to service. We're chosen to be soldiers. And we must be faithful in enduring hardness as a good soldier. And that's where we separate the boys from the men. Let's worship them. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God separate men from the boys. Christianity is not for cowards. Christianity is a large army being developed. God will not fight this world until He has what He needs. In chapter 19, and verse 19. Right now he's making a decision who are called children that were and be faithful to him. In Second Timothy, go there 2, two Timothy two and verse one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the what? the grace that's in Christ Jesus. and the things that thou hast heard of me among many weaknesses, the same commit thou commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Today can celebrate those who went to Afghanistan and some pay the supreme ultimate sacrifice. Total commitment. The pig in the proverbial story says, Go ahead, chick. You can give your eggs and you live to see it tomorrow. But if I give bacon, it's total commitment. For, a, for the pig to give bacon, it's total commitment. It's total commitment. And so the Bible says here look, they've got to be called, chosen, and are faithful. Be what? Called, chosen, and faithful to be in my army. And so Paul says, And the thing that thou hast heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Paul said, Call some men into the army. Now, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And no man that warrant entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Once you go in the army, you may have been in your mind. You have sacrificed your life already. You're good as dead. Every army person is a dead man. And those who came back from the the war, we heard it got post-stress disorder. Because they remember what they went through. I want to show you some characteristics of a good soldier. Now, the soldiers of the world are a lot different from us. I showed you one more time again. In the Bible... Tell Jen no discussion about the school, please. Tell Jen no discussion about the school outside. None. Okay. Here it is right here. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. Having the shield of faith. Having the sword of the Spirit, the law is girt about with truth, and the feet shod with the prep version of the gospel. Hello? That's the full armor of God. Everybody inside, please. How much is inside here? Everybody inside here. All right? Now, that's the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God get put on. In chapter two, second Timothy verse three, Paul said to Timothy, "Make sure Jenny come back in here, please. Walk under the projection, please, on that way. No audience outside." The first thing we need in the army of God is character. Character. Character means you must be trainable, respect authority, in submission, follow orders, and obedient and discipline. If you're gonna be a successful soldier, you've got to have character. Chapter two and verse three, Second Timothy trainable respect authority in submission are being submissive follow orders obedient and disciplined that's what it takes to be a good soldier number 2 to be a good soldier to jesus you've got to be a faithful steward in chapter 2 and verse 1 my son be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and then verse 10 says therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake for the elect's sake that they also obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory now folks I don't want anybody else to be inside here nobody outside all my visitors come inside here must come in here inside. Okay, thank you. Verse 10. And do all things for the elect's sake that they may also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus unto your glory. Alright? Now, in other words, stewardship means I'm going to be committed to him that calleth me. I'm going to be faithful to him that calls me to fight. War for it. I'm gonna be dependable. I'm gonna be loyal. I'm gonna be service available, and I'm gonna express readiness. I'm gonna be a good steward. A good one? Steward. Number three, gotta be courageous. To be a good soldier of Jesus, I've got to be courageous. Number one, character. Number two, stewardship. Number three, got to be courageous. In other words, in verse 1 and verse 10 of 2 Timothy, it talks about proven. Tried and proven. God said, lay hands suddenly on no man. Don't lay hands. And you can't grab me and put me in the seal, American seal, and then drop me off in the jungle submarine in Afghanistan or Africa, made these fight battle. and then blow up bridges. I'm not trained. Come on now, huh? I am supposed to swim 50 miles without any help. My survival could be just one knife only, I must live on that for three days, four days. I must be proven. I must endure hardness. I must be a fighter. I can't be a coward. I must be tough. I must be self-sacrificing. And I must be strong. I'm talking about able to go to war. Now, when I say war, I don't mean war like today, the carnal war. Our weapons are not carnal, but it's mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. Amen. But I've got to have good character. I've got to be a steward. I've got to be courageous. Amen. And the next thing I've got to be, I've got to be disciplined. I have got to be disciplined. Amen. To be used of God. If I'm not disciplined, God can't use me. If you're not disciplined, you will not sacrifice your life. You will not endure your hardship. You will not be submissive in yourself. David, mighty men, were self-sacrificing. The general wanted water, and the Bible said those men broke through the Philistines and jeopardized their life just to meet the commander's wish and brought water to David. And David took them. This is men's life. And he poured as a drink offering to the Lord. They endured hardship. These men were courageous. I see courage in those men when everybody ran. Adino, Abino, and all these other men. uh, And they stood alone and fought to the sword clipped to their hands. When everybody ran... And then when they won the battle, everybody came to enjoy the spoiler. Able to go to war. When I say endure hardness, what does that mean, hardness? The Bible says the good ground brought forth 30 fold, 60, 100 right? But the Bible also said there is a ground when the sun came up and scorched them. They got offended. If you're in the army, you can't be offended. Somebody shoved it or anything. Command you to clean their boots or your boots. Now, attention! stood the right there, man. You can't move. All right, make up that bed. <laughs> Scrub that floor, friend. You better be committed because I'm going to break your spirit in the army. In first Timothy six and verse twelve, a committed person is not a coward. They are a fighter. God's army is not like the world up there today, fire with guns and bullets and knives and all that stuff. No. God's army, the sword of the Spirit, and the Word of God. Our weapons are a lot different from the world. In first Timothy six and verse twelve, it's a fight. The good fight. In other words, it's a good fight. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I like that. I have fought a good fight. And you know the part? He said, I got no men like minded like me, except Timothy. Oh, I got a bunch of lots of men, but those men are more concerned with self interest than the interest of the kingdom. When David went down to face Goliath, he put his life on the line. Because Goliath has an armor bearer, and he was several feet tall, and all these weaponry of warfare, and all David had was a proven weapon. He couldn't use sword and shield that Saul had, couldn't help him. But he used what God had anointed. And he so said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And you swirl that thing, I let go of that thing, and God got behind. Him. God won't fight for him, God fought with him. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on what? Eternal life. In other words, fight to survive. But if you die, don't worry about it. If you worry about dying, go home. You coward. Christianity is not for cowards. Cowards become traitors, discerners, dropouts. It takes a different quality of men to fight for God. Men with integrity, men with courage, men with character, men that God can trust with His Word and His kingdom. Paul says that none of these things move me. I am unmovable. I stand firm. I don't give place to the adversary. I occupy till he come. You know what occupation army is? A garrison of men standing out there holding the fort as they were an army. Amen. You so say, look, fight the good fight. It says, I fought a good fight. I was no wimp. I have kept the faith. I have not lost anything. I was not disobedient. And they called Paul, called, chosen, faithful. Everybody can't be a Christian. Now, everybody wanted to be a Christian. One of be, but well they're not going to be. Alright? Paul called his fellow faithful laborers, soldiers. Philippians 2 and verse 25. He said, look. Irapodos, a fellow soldier, my brother and champion, I like that, champion, he that overcometh, overcometh in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He's a champion in labor and fellow soldiers of Irapidus is. He couldn't say that about other men. Some men are scoundrels. Freeloaders. But the Bible said that Irapidus, my brother, was a companion in labor and a fellow soldier. Who's a soldier? A disciplined person with character who are known for stewardship and are faithful and courageous. Men of honor. Men that uphold character to a highest level of respect. Committed men. He said, Look, in Second Timothy two and verse three, he said, Look, Timothy, Timothy, you are a soldier. He said, Quit you like men. Quit you like men, Timothy. And look, Timothy, look for men just like you. Hallelujah. And when you find a good man like yourself, grab a hold of him and commit him. Listen, listen to the general talking to his private. Timothy, I charge you. You got charges? <laughs> You're in the army there? They give you a charge of charges? a command. I charge you. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Philemon 1 verse 2. Not everybody in the church is a good soldier. Jesus had 12 men, and one of them was a traitor. He was more concerned about self-interest than the interest of God. You see it, folks? Able to be a soldier does not mean that you'll be a good soldier. I just wrote a little book that I felt impressed to write about it, Armor Bearer. And I thought about an armor bearer. How far should an armor bearer go in following his master? Well, everyone in the Bible that I've read so far I've gone Beyond the call of duty, one said to Jonathan, "Do this in your heart," and that's how it was. What I'll do. <laughs> Saul found the sword, and the armor bearer found his sword too. He would not go home without his master. The commitment, the ultimate sacrifice. Philemon 1, 2. Go there, please. Paul says, Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now, my friends in the states, the Marine, when they train men, a whole bunch comes in and they try to break their spirits so they conform to orders They can discipline men either they break you or you die or they kick you out and when they and when they finally are tried and proven and they pass the test the training will say good to go in other words I will trust him in the battlefield in the companion not like Demas when the war got tough and rough, he forsook Paul. And Paul said, he ain't going with me. Once a traitor, always a traitor. You can never trust a traitor. A traitor never repents. Oh, you mean this guy himself, Wait, never repents. And so, Paul said, I don't want him. No, 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 I don't want him. Now, he wasn't really a traitor. He was just a deserter. And the last thing you want to have is, is, is to have uh, John Mark becoming a traitor. But he was a deserter. But Demas was a traitor. Turned in the faith, Walked out on Paul. Said, he has forsaken me. I mean, when the battle got rough and it's tough and it's hard, men should be chosen in the furnace, not in the beautiful uniform of the palace. Everybody will look good when things are going nice. But when things get rough and tough, you wonder, now, what's going on? What's going on? They're back and they're gone. In chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, in verse 8 and 12, Paul says, endure hardness. Endure what? Hardness. And then in verse 12, it says, I suffer... If you're going to be a soldier, you will be shot at. You will be bruised. Anybody in the army ain't going to have marks to prove. They've been the battlefield. That nice uniform don't stay clean forever, friend. And if you're really in the army of God, you're going to come back with marks. Marks of He said, I've been the marks in my body to prove. I've been to war and back. <laughs> I can brag about it. Amen. I bet the marks are suffering, shame, problems. Chapter 2, verse 9, 10, and 12. Go there. Verse 9 says, I suffered trouble as an evildoer. But where God is not down. In other words, I'm not going to quit because I'm going through all the hard times. If you don't like prosecution or persecution, Get of the army, my friend, the enemy won't won't pat you on the back; they're going to take your head off. Is that right? Chapter four and verse five, he says, "But thou, my son, end your affliction." My friend, and he came to tell me when he was in Vietnam, there were snakes above him, poisonous snakes looking at him, and the Viet Cong was right there. Gotta endure the snake. You couldn't move. You couldn't cry out, couldn't do a thing. Is a snake or the enemy? And then he got these these parasite blood suckers all over his face. Amen. But he couldn't do a thing. Only four of them out there, supposed to blow up the enemy dump and all that stuff. And they couldn't move. Affliction. Hardness. Danger. Christianity is not for cowards. It's not for sissified men. It's from men with a backbone, men with stamina, able to go to war. James 5.10 Go there. Put it on the board, please. What does James have to say about it? We've got to go through hard times. And there's always a temptation in a battle to run always the temptation of battle to be disobedient to cause a coup to rise up and have an overthrow when Moses gave the command we're going to go to the promised land we're going to take it ten men rose and said we ain't going to go we're not able but God said you're able God said you're in the army because you're able to go to war and I wanna go to war for me now why don't you go fight? You can go, sister. It's all right. Yeah. Right? You say, you can go to war. Right? Go to war. They say, we're not able. We're not able. God said, yes, you are. And they chose anarchy. It's amazing how people can't fight among themselves, but they can't fight the real enemy. Always the problem of Israel. Israel fighting each other. Well, never can find the real adversary that had them bound in captivity, but they can fight each other. But James says, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, and friend, they suffer affliction and problems. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Call to be now you have to realize survival depends on training <laughs> I watch them train people to do rescue missions and they have to go into frigid water, cold, cold water you know how they do it? Oh, they assimilate it in the pool, they lower the temperature and they hold you down and they go down there and they pull the mask off your face, way down in the water they come back up and they fight you down there they go through all the exercises and know you're going to go through. He said, my God, this trainer, I hate him. I can't stand him. But you know what, friend? When you go to war, you're going to love him. Because, like practice, like war. He knows if you don't get the message quick, when you're in the battlefield, you're going to be killed. They taught you how to keep your head down. They taught you how to get away from booby traps. Amen. And Paul says, Train. Don't put anybody in the ministry who is not trained. Because anybody in the ministry, you are enemy number one for the devil. Satan said, Fight nobody else but Ahab. Get him. Once you smite the leader, you get the rest of the people. A headless group. Is chaos. Praise God. Alright. God. In Matthew 10.22. On the board please. Now folks I'm talking about the army of God. The army of God. You and I are not going to have the privilege of going behind Jesus. In Matthew. In 19 19.19. Until he can prove you on earth. Earth is the testing ground. If you can't pass the test here, what you do under pressure is what you really are. Anybody can talk nice and be deceitful, but what you do under pressure, and from the bones of the heart, and the mouth speak. Well, I didn't mean that Well, You did say it. It came from your mouth. You meant what you said. Well, I didn't mean it. God don't say that. God said, "From the heart, the mouth speak." What do you mean that way? What else do you mean? What else do you mean? That's why you said what we believe. You can only speak what you believe. And he shall be hated of all men. I don't know if any Viet Cong who like Americans <laughs> during wartime. Hello? But he he'll endure to the end shall be saved. Many go to war, but few come back home. And every time the one that killed is shot is one who failed to carry out everything we're taught in practice. Because you're trained to survive. You're trained to come back home. You're trained to come and celebrate. Amen. Now I, I feel so sad to watch young people waste their life in narcotics, and drugs, and alcohol and booze and homosexuality and lesbianism and you know all these different things in the world it's so sad, and it doesn't have to be that way, because the Bible says in 1 John 2.14 that God called the young men because they are strong. <laughs> young men is for war. And old men is for planning decisions. There's a difference between terrorists and the army. The army fight conventional war. before the rules and regulations. A terrorist is an outcast that just do terrible things, atrocities, genocides. God don't have no terrorists. God said when you fight, you must strive lawfully. God said I want you to fight your battle lawfully. Everything you're doing is above board. You don't break conventions. You do what's right. Joab became a terrorist and killed Abner. And God said, slam! When Joab fought the battle properly, God said, good men. Right? When David broke the, the, the convention and cut off Saul's garment, God smote him can't do that. A good soldier don't do that. You don't touch a man's reputation. When you play the man's reputation, that's called assassination. Amen. So Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That means don't ruin a man's reputation. When you do that, you destroy that person. The last thing you touch is a man's reputation. And the Bible says that David touched Saul's garment and on the front of his garment represented reputation and his heart smote him. The only way your heart don't smote you is you got no conscience. When you got no conscience you're being seared. And a man with no conscience is a dangerous man. God don't want him. Praise God. Alright? 1 John 2.14 I've written to you, Father, because you've known Him that's from the beginning. I've written to you, young man, because you are strong. You know, God said, Well, I lift weights, I do push, but, but I push all these weights tricep, bicep, sidestep, whatever it is. <laughs> and you ask them, Okay, what have your biceps done for you, your triceps, <laughs> your muscles? What's done for you? Those big flop flesh. Strong means will, determination inner fortitude, strong character, make lawful decisions beyond impeachment, pure in heart, right motives, no hidden agenda. You can't fool God. The Holy Ghost knows what you're thinking. You're not dealing with a charismatic world. You're dealing with the things of God who can read the heart and know the thoughts of man. Amen. Amen. You can't deceive God. Come on. Be strong in the power of His might. Hallelujah. I rather God guy who would never lift weight, but of the words, and the way the kingdom was sold. The one who pumped iron and steel. Because body and exercise profit little day may be small, but God is big. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. Go there, please. I'm talking about able to go to war. Amen. That's why I don't hang around people that are deceitful. You don't want to go hang around people who are not honest. You know, to stab one in the back. Because one thing God don't give this soldier here. The soldier Have no, no weapon for his back. A lot of backstabbers in our world today. It's pretty sad. He's trying to make it uh, walk in, in the journey. Obviously, feels a knife on your fifth rib. A number of men lost their lives were leaders. You know who killed them? Their bodyguards. That's atrocious. Even. And it says his bodyguards were the part of this conspiracy to kill him. You know who would break up the twelve with Jesus Christ? One of his twelve men. They couldn't get to Jesus. Man, he walked on the water. He cast out devils, but he sure couldn't cast out Judas. Because <laughs> he was a buddy. He says to the Corinthian church, Watch you! Stand fast in the faith. Grip you like men. Be strong. Be strong. The hardest bullet on any battlefield is not the bullet of the enemy; it's friendly fire. You hear about friendly fire? Guy got shot by friendly fire. You know what I mean? They shot their leader. They didn't like him. In the middle of the war, they act like an enemy and went PAM shot him. As if the enemy shot him, but they shot him. Called friendly fire. Most leaders are killed by friendly fires. The last thing Jesus Christ wants behind him is a bunch of traitors. We're going to stab him in his back. Because the army is behind him. Not before him. Hello. Hallelujah. I've always wondered why the Apostle Peter have all those guys standing beside him, not behind him. <laughs> you can't let... You know, when I go to a restaurant, I sit my back to the wall. I just don't let my back being not protected. You see, you're paranoid. I'm not paranoid. I'm conscious of it. The hardest pain to carry, Brother Beaton, is a, is a pain of a traitor. Somebody you've trusted. And somebody who become an espionage and working both sides of the fence. None No side can trust them. The devil can't trust them. And God can't trust them.
1: And nobody wants
0: them. And there are no man land called perdition. The Pharisees didn't want Judas. The Pharisees didn't want him. <laughs> somebody want him. Not not even the tree branch would support him. When he jumped off and tried to hang himself, the tree said, Sorry, I will not support you either. he fell and busted his belly wide in two, you think he was being cut open like a moose? Not even the tree would support him. I am a soldier! Amen. Now, one thing that a soldier is not only must he be disciplined, be committed, and endure hardness, and be strong and endure hardship, but that soldier must have his priority right. What is priority? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Go there, please. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4. It says, When you are a soldier, you do not become entangled. With the affairs of this life. that way, you can't be double-minded in the army. You know, I got to stand during the, the Iraqian war. I'm not for either war at all. But there's some people who wrote that said, I'm against that war. And, hey, you're a soldier. A soldier is not in the politics. The soldiers serve as governor. Whatever party belongs to, it's irrelevant. Is that right? Hello? Yes! Just like a preacher can't be a politician. Well, what about the Democrats? What about the Republicans? What about the conservatives? What about the liberals? How can I assure them if i got a political persuasion in my mind? Jesus Christ served all Jews and Gentiles. And so, say, look, that they... The man in war is the soldier God chose. He must please him, not them. You're not going by popular opinion or by the public opinion. Come on now. You're just you a your command You carry it out. Amen. He chose you. Be faithful to that chosen call. Right? And he said, now be a soldier. Right? <laughs> Don't entang yourself. When of this life, because you know, go to war, and pretty soon you know my business back home. You will be fighting pretty good. Your mind will be all messed up, entangling. Me, no. Now we know the, the, the third ground Bible says was choked by the careless life. That's why some folks don't make Christianity. You know. I ask people, why do you want? Why do you want power? Why do you want authority? What are you gonna do with it? A power in the wrong hand is dangerous. Very deadly. So the authority. What are you going to do with it when you get it? How are you going to use it? For the your interest or the kingdom interest? You can't be double-minded. You've got to set David, Goliath, stood in defiance of God. And the king always talks about everybody else, though. The most handsome, the tallest guy among everybody else. You think he's going to fight? He wouldn't go fight. He's a coward. What about his own life? And David said, What is wrong with you soldiers? Do you hear this guy defying the army of the Lord? He said, Do I have to fight to get the king's daughter? Who cares about the king's daughter? He said, Is there a cause? In other words, Is there in the cause worth fighting for? John Kennedy put it this way say not what America can do for you. But say, what can I do for America? In other words, why do you want to? Why? Why? Why do you go fight? Don't you see? I mean, they blaspheme the name. One thing about Muslims, I like to say about them, they'll fight for Muhammad. They'll fight for Allah. They'll fight without any kind of shield or protection. They'll lay their lives down. They will. No question about it. You blaspheme their Allah and see what happens. You're going to be a dead man. And I not like that about them. I do like that about them. They're committed. They said, the cause means more than my life. A soldier, when he goes to the army, he says, my life don't worth anything. The cause means more. I'm fighting for a cause. And it's worse when they're captured and they betray their brothers for the liberty, for temporary. All right? You said the king's business requires haste. Paul put it this way I have forsaken all to follow thee all to follow now most guys don't know this but the reason why David went with Bathsheba David knew in the army of Israel when you go to battle here's what they do the soldier made a commitment he said look wife I'm not coming back you can marry anybody you want to it's up to you but I'm, 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 I may not come back so it's, I, I release you to marry whoever you will so in you know, words, I'm going to die for the cause I'm going to lay my life down for the cause. So don't expect me to come back home. Don't even worry about it. This me off as dead. Don't fret for me. I'm gone. To fight for the cause. And David knew that. And so when the war was going on, well, guess what? You right it was a Hittite who's not even an Israelite. Huh? A one-time enemy of Israel, now join Israel, is fighting for the Lord and the cause of the Lord. And David saw his wife and committed an adultery with her and tried to cover it up, tried to bring the husband home to cover up his bad deed. And the guy said, I can't do that. He said, David, I, I can't. I can't. David, you're my king. You have a cause out there being fought for. He said, so the ark of the Lord is out there and, and my, my fellow soldiers are out there and they're laying down their lives and they're dying. and you asking me to go home to my wife? I can't do that, David. I'm not disobedient, but I just can't do it. I'm sorry, King. Your call, you taught me right. You told me these things. And now I'm living what you told me. And I can't desert my brothers. And I can't desert the call off. I've got to go fight for God. The ark is out there. I can't go home. But David lacked integrity. David says, you know what? Get him drunk. He was mad because he wouldn't go home. He up his sins. Huh. <laughs> But it was the man's integrity. I think Uriah's integrity was higher than Job's integrity. really was. It cost him his life. And Uriah said, look, I can't go. He said, go home. So instead of him go home, he went and sat somewhere and slept. David drugged him. (laughs) Doped him up with drugs. And still he wouldn't go home. A man of integrity cannot be purchased to the highest bidder. A man that knows his God. Hallelujah. And so he wouldn't go home. So the said, okay, I can't get this guy to go home. I'm going to corrupt my sins. So he wrote a letter. And he got this man called his general. And so he said, he to the general. The man has supposed to integrity he wouldn't even open the letter. He's carrying his own death sentence. That's a real soldier. That's a man of integrity. That's a man of character. That's a man of inner fortitude. That's a man that really you want on your side. He wouldn't even open it. Not realizing <laughs> you right. You are carrying your own death sentence. David pronounced you dead. You're going to make sure you die and not come home at the Lost You wouldn't die. See so you know he did, church? He made them children. And Uriah died not knowing that David, whom he loved and trusted, was the one that organized his death. You don't want that kind of spirit behind you in the war. But if you want a good buddy to go, go to Uriah, a man of principle. Character. You want to be a soldier? Most folks can't be a Pentecostal or apostolic because I said too much rules, too much standard. Well, go in the army and tell them that. They'll beat you to submission. I've learned in the army, don't you go by those pictures they show you guys on the boat having nice fun? It's not true. There are swamp and mosquito and bullets flying over your head later on. Our friend, uh, drought that. That's another year mine. The Wine and cheese is over. It's time now to eat huh? wild locusts and honey. Is that right? Hey, you still want to be in the army? Take up your cross and follow me. All right? Now, the general is him a charge to his private. You see, Joshua was a great man. Joshua was a great man. He fought the battles for Moses. He carried all the commands. He did it all. He was committed. He was a man of discipline, a man of principle. A man who was loyal and faithful, trustworthy, and all that good stuff. Amen. And God said, Moses, that guy going to replace you. Encourage he him. He's a good man. And the rest are trash. Get rid of them. They die in the wilderness. Alright, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. Go there. I'm going to point some things out to you that I'm noticing in the Bible. Number 1, here is Paul at, at talking to a young man called Timothy. Number 1, be strong! Number 2, be committed and pass it on to others. Number 3, endure hardness! Number 4, verse 3, he says, be a good soldier. To the second chapter, folks. Verse 4, it says, point number 5, it you said, you're in the warfare. It's war! <laughs> number 6, verse 4, don't get entangled. Don't have a divided heart. Be single-minded. Number 7, verse 4, it says, number 2, please the chief. Don't be affected by the people around you. Please the chief. Amen. If your armor bearer says, protect the king, the last person to die in the battle must be the king, not you. Otherwise, I mean, you, didn't, you didn't protect the king. Point number eight, verse four, you're chosen to be a soldier by God. Point nine, verse five to the two, strive for mastery. Be the best. I like those mighty men. Oh, they're a mighty man. Oh, they're, oh, they stood the ground. They have encouraged so many preachers and want to be preachers and teachers. Those men are encouragers of telling us we can stand in the midst of problems. All right. Point ten strive with integrity. Integrity is what you do when no one's watching and you know you can get away with it. Integrity says, every man have his price, and will sell to the highest bidder. God chose you to be a soldier. If you're a soldier, you are going to have more time of suffering than time of holiday. Verse nine: Suffer like a soldier. Be tough. Verse ten: Endure. Harness like I do. Like me. Enter like me. He says. In verse 13, he says, Die with him. John the Great, he's a young man. And those men would follow him anywhere he goes. Because he would not go where. He would not send him where he wouldn't go. And in closing, you know you do? He'd burn all the bridges. And so the only way you get home, this is home. You're going to die here or reign here. Make up your mind. But you're in the army. They tell me he would call his soldier and tell the place that he's attacking. Hey, guys, our men are not afraid to die. Look at this. It says he would call his, his more trusted man and say, come on, get your sword. Fall on it. And the guy would look like this and die. At the command. And people were scared of him. Because he had men, men that are real men, men that were strong, strong-willed, men that are committed, men of character, men who are steward, men who are courageous, men of are principled, disciplined men, men who are committed and in your hardness, they're going to give a hand. Now, they're soldiers, they're fighters, they're not homesick, they're kingdom-minded, all right? The warfare in verse 3, chapter 2 says, You're a soldier. You are warriors You're always at war. You're striving. And you strive lawfully. In other words, David, I love this about David. Some people, the people deceive them. But David never accepted the crown of Saul illegally. You may come to office by undermining other people's reputation. Or you may do things under the table and get to the top. But one person you can't fool is the person in the mirror. You got to live with that person. The one that you see in the mirror. When the crowd stops cheering you and and they stop singing your praises. And you go to bed and you know you didn't come to office Legitimately but usurp authority. Satan is a, a God, a false God. we ask him how he got it. He rose up against his leader. Thou be like the Most High, and I will rise, and I will... God said, get out of here. I threw him right up. And now you telling me he's God? Is he really God? He just think he's God. You'll never enjoy what you got by crook and hook. You'll never enjoy it. As soon as you get there, you got to have behind you. Because you know what? The same way you got there, you would be taken down the same way. It's just a matter of time. You'll be taken back down. A soldier will be faithful and loyal. That's why Cornelius was so effective. God said, Cornelius, you're a man of principle and integrity. I've I heard your prayer. You have impacted me. And I want you to send to Peter. You're going to give me the keys to the kingdom. When I say, Lord, I want you to speak the word, because when I speak the word, I've got men under me, and when I say, go here, go there, they go, at my bidding. And so you're just telling me what to do, and it will be done. Hello. In closing, the revelation that I find in the Bible is summarized in the traits of a soldier. You're called! Chapter 17 and verse 14 of You are chosen to be in this army. God chose you. You didn't choose them. God said, I chose you. Chapter nineteen and verse nineteen. And you must be faithful. When no one's watching you and David in the backside of the desert, and the only audience he had is the wilderness. He said, My father never lost one sheep. Jacob says Laban I never stole one thing from you anything you lost I replaced it as if I lost it that you suffered no loss will you stay? will you stand discipline who's a good soldier someone was disciplined chapter 2 and verse three, second Timothy another trait of a good soldier one who's disciplined He's disciplined. Number two, he's committed. You're committed. Are you committed? Well, Pastor Neil, you know, I know I should close church up, but I got to go home. Well, go home. I got to go home. I got to go. Well, go. I got to do this. Go, go, do it. But the cause is greater than my self interest. When I walk through that door, I'm not involved anymore. It's about him. David says, Solomon, this house is for God; it's not for man. Amen. I'm committed. I got to turn the lights off. That's my job. I'm committed to it. I'm committed to be present. And the only way David was not present before Saul was when he was unclean. He said he was unclean. So number, th- number three, verse one and ten. You got to be strong in your heart. I told people, if you want to be a pastor or a leader in the church, mark it now. People are going to badmouth you, criticize you, call that kind of name. And if you're not prepared for that, don't even step in that role. Because you'll never be right for everybody. You'll never please everybody. Some are going to find fault with you. And you'll never do the thing right. And if you got your chip on your shoulder, get out of the ministry quick before we kill you. Because we will stone you. People only stone fruit trees. In Jamaica we don't throw stone that trees that bear fruit. you got enough fruit, we won't throw any. And only people make decisions make mistakes. And people who don't make mistakes make don't make decisions. So all the perfect people in the church are people who don't ever make decisions or do anything for God. It makes sense to me. All right? Hello you, know? you see Saul could never be happy with Jesus. What he was doing. He criticized everything he did. Well, when he was with the enemy, I mean, he just. It's sad when when people are unhappy with their own army. But when, when the enemy camp, they're full of mouth. That's Israel. That's Ephraim. Ephraim, bat mouth Israel. And when they're with the enemy, my god, it is. Well, a good soldier. In verse 4, chapter 2, is of being to the chief. You can't serve to the master. David didn't listen to the, the song. Well, oh, Saul is saved this thousand, and David's ten thousand. Some are going to sing the song, and some won't sing a song. Some are going to follow you, and some won't follow you. Some going to think you're stupid, and some think you're all right. So what? Please the chief. Boy, we pretty quite around here. Number four. The is the cause. So, you know what I'm going to practice? I was in the church, and this lady have good talents, and they need her. I see it in the Turkish Island, and I see it in the Canadian Plains, and I see it in other states. It's the same devil everywhere. have all these good talents, and the church needs it, and they will not give it. And in the name of my kids, I got to go to bed. I get to bed. I get to bed. I watch parents do that, and those kids are going to be a wretch later on. I watch those who supposedly submit their kids to the so called torture of church live better. I've seen social services grab parents to courts and destroy those kids. The kids died with OD and they forsook him in the street. But in the church they said the church was not good for him. And they destroyed him. We're gonna train our kids to be soldiers. Your kids gotta learn that priority is God. Well, you gave up your family for the church, guess what? Your family ain't gonna to go to the grave with you when you die. When you stand before God, your wife and your husband ain't gonna be there. So help me, God, they're not gonna be there. When you die honey and die alone, your wife can't help you, your husband can't help you, your kids can't help you, just you and God. You better have him as your friend. Because you're going write the last word. I don't care what my wife does. I'm going to live for God. Amen. If I'm going to church, you don't want to go to, I'm still going. If he's going to stop me, you can't. A friend. She will be another man. She's no competition for Jesus. Absolutely none. Never will be. Never can be. Nobody in my life. God is first. Amen. Amen. Priority. David said, there's a cause. Number six, chapter 20, verse 3, lawfully. How did you get in that chair? Who did you kill? Who did you stab? Whose character did you assassinate? Coup d'etat. You see, the, the northern tribe was a bunch of backstabbers. Everyone came to the crown with a knife. Read it. Not one was by God. Not one. They kill each other to get to the throne. But in the southern, God chose men because of what they will do for his people. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And then I want to be a soldier. A soldier. I got to be sold out to God. I started out on able to go to war. Why do you want to be a preacher? Let others take care of you. Most guys today, most people today, want to become pastors. You know, they want to become pastors. They will never start a church on their own. Never will. They want somebody ready-made, handed to them. In every case, they destroy it. That was the sin of Saul. Saul came to power and sat in chair he didn't fight for. Amen. And reign over things he never built. It's like Solomon. Solomon was the same thing. Solomon, in everything he never fought for. And what did he do? He brought disgrace on Israel. But David was a lot different. He was always running. Running for his life. Running. Running a fighting battle for the Lord. Amen. And he wrote more psalms for the Lord. Hallelujah. In those last days, he went and said, God, everything I had came from you. I got it lawfully. I didn't, and you know what? Saul, when Saul died, and he knew Saul died from suicide, he made a a command and said, Don't you ever write and publish that among Gath, the Philistines. He says, I dare you do that. He said, Don't you ever write anything against that leader. He was God anointed. He's a leader. Don't you touch him. And he sent some mighty man who gathered Saul, and buried Saul, and cried over the jump and Saul, and I said, "Oh, the mighty has fallen." He wasn't being sarcastic. He was crying. He cried. He bowled his head off. That's a good soldier. A good soldier empower others to become greater than himself. Yeah, he was like that. And David says, "Isn't there anybody from the house of Saul that I can show kindness to?" Well, God said, "No." Well, now that power, it's time for revenge. Now I come to power. Let's take revenge and fight and kill off all those people. The guys might have that, you know. <laughs> the example of the guys who done that. But they said, "No way." They said, "Come on," the people said. My people said, "Thought they're going to kill me now. My dead dog." He said, "No, you're not a dog." You're going to sit at my table a king's son And everything that your father lost I'm going to get back and give it to you Oh why would you do that Because the cause Is bigger than my self interest I'm a soldier Our kids sing I'm a soldier those "Kids, I'm a soldier What in the army of the Lord. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's. You know, people work for God over by the clock. Amen. would you bow your heads right now?